We are back once again, Bucks and Brews, with you here. Um, I'm sporting my new Mitten T-shirt. Very happy yeah. about Mitten there. Um, I went to the great state of Wisconsin this week for, for my beer, Nick. Oh, uh, hey, you know, welcome to the club, man. One of one of my favorite lining kugels, the Snowdrift Vanilla Porter, which is probably go. my third favorite behind Summer Shandy and Harvest Patch. What yep. you got, Nick? Oh, man, I have a large selection, all from Wisconsin again. Uh, so I have a New Glarus uh, Fat Squirrel, which is really, uh, really fun. Um, Lakefront Brewing. Uh, Hazy Rabbit IPA. I think I've had one of these uh, on here before. Um, actually, I have a Three Sheeps Brewing Bon Bon Chocolate Milk Stout. Ooh, that uh, sounds wonderful. So room temperature, because I, I like to drink most of my dark beers room temperature. And, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Um, let's say it's, it's fun because it's got a bunch of uh, Bon Bons and I call them truffles, I guess, like all over the all over the label and uh right because uh we we're having a special guest so of course i'd have a special beard i've talked about this being like my top three or five beers um i got the new glarus uh wisconsin belgian red again because dude i love this beer like new glarus is is, is topping my charts with that beer man i just i haven't been impacted by a beer in such a long time for that thing to come out i'm like that is that is rocking it i'm Really, I think this is a call out to New Glarus to, uh, to, to sponsor me on that because <laughs> I'll buy a keg right now at that point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very exciting. Um, you know, today's episode, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to, uh, to a person that's bought an existing business, uh, right? Like something that, you know, somebody else has already established. They're either retiring or, you know, they're, they're moving to a different idea of what they want to do. Um, I have quite a few friends that have sold businesses, bought businesses, um, right? I guess everything I've done, uh, other people have done before, but I've opened my own business doing it, right? So, uh, you know, the idea the idea to buy somebody's business is, uh, is really awesome to me. Um, it just goes to show that, like, you don't have to have that idea. You don't have to start things up, right? Um, you know, I, I, I know Gavin's going to give us his input, Um on, on what he did and how he did it, you know, but the, the ability to buy establishing clientele, like uh, I know, I know, right. Like my friends in the heating and cooling industry, right. Like some people will just, they get burnt out. I mean, right. So David and I, you both know, uh, we both know a uh, heating and cooling guy. Yep. Uh, I just got started into real estate, ended up using your guys' heating and cooling guys along with mine. Uh, he was doing boilers and then uh, you know, only, only like a year or two into it. Like I give the guy a call and, you know, he ended up having surgery and he's like, yeah, I'm just retired. Like I'm done. Right. And I was like, he goes, yep, sold it all to this company. Give him a call. I trust them. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, so it's just, there, there's, there's always a point in life where, you know, people are going to sell it. Right. And they can give it to their kids or something like that. But the ability to buy, to buy that clientele is really cool. Yeah. And uh, I asked Gavin to join us tonight because, you know, like Nick said, he bought an existing business. It was a business with, you know, Kind of a, a deep roots here in Grand Rapids, um, and, and we'll get more into that when Gavin joins us. And I knew starting early today wouldn't be a big deal because Gavin doesn't drink, so he's not going to have any fun beers to share with us tonight. And I figured Nick and I could discuss, you know, some of the the things to look for when you start to, you know, do some research on buying an existing business. So 
you know, as, as usual, I sat here, I did some research and uh, I got a whole list of stuff for you, Nick, when, when you're deciding you want to buy your friend out. Yeah. I say, I, you know, I, I'm always, I'm always willing to listen on, on things I should be looking for because there's, you know, I, I say I've done it before, um, help, help some friends and stuff like that, but normally on the numbers side. Um, but yeah, there's definitely things I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in hearing. So one of the things I, I really liked was when you're looking to buy a business, you're looking to buy the assets of the business, not necessarily the business itself. So, and, and one of the reasons is if you, if you're buying, you know, we're going to use my wife's business as an example. So you're going to buy break room therapy. If you're buying the LLC, you're buying all of the debt that comes along with break room therapy. Okay? Whereas if you're buying the assets, you're not buying any of that debt. You're buying whatever, you know, we have for, you know, cost of goods sold or, you know, the furniture and stuff that we have there. So, you know, you're financing the actual purchase of the good things that come along with the business, not the actual debt that, you know, your company is already in. And I know you guys just did that not too long back, right? There was a a company over in the Lansing area that was attempting to, to kind of do something around the same thing that you guys were doing. Um, for some reason, something, you know, COVID kind of happened. He couldn't get into the role of things. Um, right. But he had a bunch of uh, uh, supplies or, or, you know, things on hand and, you, you know, for you guys. Right. So people watching like break room, right. They, they break glass, they break computer monitors. Um, if you ever seen office space, right. They, they break large printers. Um, I mean, who doesn't want to just go beat the crap out of a large printer? I mean, um, right. So, but you, yeah, you guys, you guys wouldn't pretty much, you, you didn't buy, you didn't buy, you know, break room one, two, three, you bought all of the stuff that break room one, two, three had. Right. So, we went, we basically went through their assets and they said, this is what we have. And, you know, we, we bought out the assets that for us made sense. I mean, they still had stuff left over that they had to deal with because we didn't actually want their business. Um, and, and, you know, when you're looking to buy something, so, you know, you're deciding to buy Nick out of his McDonald's franchise, you know, because you can buy a franchise. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you're not walking in there saying, well, I, I only want this one register. You got to keep the other register. You know, you're getting whatever the business comes with. Yep. But I mean, if he had taken out a new loan on something, that doesn't necessarily have to be a part of your deal. That's something that can be negotiated and you know, he might have to pay off with his proceeds from selling the business. Yeah. You know, I look at, I look at things, um, right. From again, from the real estate side, right. I mean, it depends on what you have, but I know a friend of mine is selling basically his business, right. He's, he's got a portfolio in, uh, in Grand Rapids and he's got a, a, another portfolio outside of Grand Rapids and he's got them split up and right. But you're, He's, he's selling his real estate assets and just he's moving into a different uh, place. And so, you know, I, I guess I always look at right when I buy when I buy a, a rental. Right. I mean, it, it's growing my business, but it's usually taking from somebody else's business. Right. Like the eight unit. Right. I mean, I bought that out of somebody else's business. He was running, you know, and, and so but, you know, we go to 1031s and stuff like that. Right. So he has to take that and he has to go buy something bigger you know, or, or more money wise, I guess. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a way to help grow. So, I mean, there's people that do that type of stuff all the time. Um, you know, get, get rid of your low performing 
assets and and go into something bigger. So, yeah. So you know, you also get better tax treatment if you're not actually buying all of that with the business too. You know, you're starting with kind of a fresh slate. There, uh, we have Gavin joining right now. Um, the other thing you need to do is figure out about the lease, the actual seller's lease, and if you can just assume that lease. Sure. Um, because obviously, if you know, you take over business and they don't want to renew that lease, now you got to find some place to go to. Yeah, saying that you know that's that's those are things to to worry about because you know, um, let's say with you guys even right. So we go back to the break room and it's it's okay. Hey, you know, you guys are loud and obnoxious, right? And you're throwing glass and breaking glass and you're hearing this stuff happen all the time. Who's to say that the owner, the owner just likes you two as, you know, as owners, they, they, they don't know me from anybody. They don't know that I'm going <laughs> to run the same thing. You know, they're, they're worried about, Hey, you know, the lease technically says you guys can run 24 seven or whatever you want, but we really like it that you guys are open until, you know, it's, it's an unwritten rule that you, you work from, let's say, you know, three o'clock on when most businesses are closing. So then, right. There, there's a possibility that, that landlord, if it's, if it's under, you know, if it's not an owned building, there's a possibility that the landlord's just like, Nope, I don't want this to be a thing anymore. So. Gavin, can you hear us? I can hear you. What's oh, up guys? Fantastic. We can hear you too. So uh, big shout out to Gavin Willard, who is the owner of Tardy's Collector's Corner. What's Tardy's up, is a local shop here in Grand Rapids. I want to say it's been open since uh, 1979. You got it. Oh, look at me. Pulling yeah, the date right, right out of my hand. Born in 79. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm actually the second owner of it. I took over it about six years ago. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, this year's been weird. But other than that, it's been pretty darn cool. So, Gavin, we really wanted to kind of know how that whole transition started. I mean, you know, you went. You, I, I know that you were a customer. Yep. And then, you know, you ended up becoming the owner. And, you know, I'll kind of later tell the story of how Gavin and I became friends. Because, you know, for, for people that know me, Nick knows this very well. I don't really like people and I don't want really to talk to people. And, I don't uh, believe that. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> Gavin didn't really give me a choice when I went in one day. So, yeah. so Gavin, I grabbed you by your ears and I'm like, you talk to me right now. You kind of I... did. So think, six years now you've, you've had tardies, huh? Yeah, man. It's been, it's been awesome. I mean, like, um, it's so ba basically we'll start at the beginning. So Deanna and I started doing shows before we were affiliated with tardies, except for being customers. This was just our place that we always got our comic books at. So you're doing comic book shows. Yeah. Yep. We were doing okay. comic cons, toy shows, stuff like that. Okay. Yep. And we used to do, so we did comic book shows and toy shows, but we kind of didn't know where we were going, like what we wanted to do yet. So we were doing hemp jewelry at the time too, and doing metal festivals and music festivals and stuff like that too. There you go. So like, I mean, metal, metal, like, like the rock music, like heavy metal. Yep. There was, there was a local one in Grand Rapids. Well, outside of Grand Rapids called Carnival of Chaos. And it was, a uh, really cool show. I mean, like, really, really intense. But, I mean, like, it was a great show. You know, you uh, sit up and <laughs> the first year we set up there, we we made hemp jewelry. But to, like, incentivize people, we brought uh, king-size things, M&Ms and candy bars. We wouldn't sell them. 
we were giving them away with necklaces. There you go. At a mass music festival where people are, are drinking and smoking and I'm doing all the, the, the adult things that they want to do. It's, it's really the best way to make, I mean, like I sold one guy like five necklaces just because he wanted M&Ms. Dude, I would have bought M&Ms or like, I would have bought necklaces just to get M&Ms. Like I'm, I'm that guy. Like if they were PETA M&Ms, dude, I'd have been like, this dude knows me like to a T. Absolutely. Uh, no, got to do what you got to do. Say I, you know, David, David had told us that you weren't going to be drinking, but I, I seen what you just had. So can you tell our tell our viewers what you uh, what you're drinking today? I, I'm drinking uh, the the smallest ten ounce can of Pepsi. Hey, at least it's something, right? So everybody, you know, everybody drinks something. We have people that just drink water on here. You know, we happen to partake in some brews once in a while, a little mixed drink. <laughs> so, but we, you know, judgment free. So, Do all you, right, absolutely. It's your you're, show, you're, man. I'm not coming on here and talking about other people's drinks. Absolutely. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing festivals. Yeah. You don't know where you want to go. So basically it was, uh, we wanted to do, we would, we would do music festivals. We would do comic cons, basically anything to get away from. Uh, my wife worked at a, at a family fair for forever and I worked at a gas station and it was just kind of like a, well, this is the thing that pays the bills that doesn't really make us happy. But we work 40 hours there and then work another 30 to 40 on 30 to 40 hours on selling stuff online or at conventions or at music festivals or whatever we could do, you know? So, yeah, I mean, like uh, we just, we just went at it and did what we could do. I mean, anything to get off of, off of somebody else's uh, pay stream and, and get to our own business basically. Sure. And so I, I, I assume David said you, you used to shop at Tardy's. Yeah. Yep. This is, it's so, been our local place that we shopped since like 2003, I want to say. Okay. So now was it always named Tardy's? Did you guys do a name change? I mean, how, how does like walk us through, like, you know, how, how, how did you even talk to the owner that I want to buy it? Like, wh what is this whole thing? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, I should probably talk about the thing that I'm on here for instead of being like, oh, yeah, we used to do all sorts of stuff. Next question. No, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about everything here. So and we want to we want to know we want to know. Right. We want to yeah. know what it takes to get to that next point, because like, right, there's going to be the guy that's out there just like you. Right. Working in a gas station, working in something. And they're, they're doing this little side hustle of, of whatever they're doing. Right. Like, I don't care if it's just, hey, I, I'm mowing lawns on, at night, you know or I go out and snow blow, <laughs> like there's, right. there's always somebody. Yeah, no, I mean, so basically what we did was, uh, so we, we've been shopping there for forever. Um, and I would just go in and, and chit chat with the, the owners. And sometimes he was real sociable. And sometimes it was like, you'd get two words out of the guy. He just wouldn't, he'd clam up. He didn't want to talk. So uh, we, we started doing shows and we started doing conventions and things like that a little bit more. And, started bonding a little bit about that. And he told us about the stories about comic cons back in the day, which they sound like a totally different beast from the seventies and eighties. I mean, like drugs were very, 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 very much uh, necessary. It sounds like for all the old school shows, you know? Um, but no, I mean, like we just kind of bonded over the, the fact of, of conventions and doing stuff. And we kept talking and kept talking. And uh, this is, this is us shopping there for, Oh, 10 years at that point. And he, he kind of approached us one day and was like, this is what you want to do, right? And go, yeah. He goes, well, I'm looking to sell it. And I'm, I've reached out to a couple of people. No one seems really that interested. You guys, this is what you want to do with your life. You know, like we're trying to get out of it. 
if you're trying to get into it, we can we can really like make this happen smoothly, you know. And it was awesome. I mean, like we were kind of skeptical at first, where we we're like, all right, well, this is gonna cost the sun and the moon, or it's just gonna be impossible, and there's no way because it's one of those things. What once you're used to doing a nine to five job, and once you're used to doing that, and your side hustle and all this different stuff, that it's so hard to take that jump where you're like. I'm doing just myself, you know, like I'm not doing work for someone else. I am completely betting on myself and I'm only doing for me. That is a hard, hard jump to make, you know? Yeah. Trust me. I know. (laughs) I think we all kind of know. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's scary as hell. And I mean, like now you, there's at least a little bit more buffering now with uh, DoorDash and uh, Grubhub and all these different things that you can do uber well maybe not uber not so much right now but like uh shipped and all these different things that you can do to make a little bit of extra cash on the side so it's a little bit less scary now uh but at the same time it's still always terrifying to take that first jump to be like okay well we're we're gonna do this on our own you know so uh basically what happened was is the the owners were like okay we want to be retired in four years so okay that's that's perfect so I came and worked for them for a year. Then my wife came and worked with us for a year. So it was the two of us. And then it flipped. We bought the business and they started working for us just on the weekends for the next two years. So we lost no customers in the changeover. There was no, you know, hard feelings, no animosity. Everybody knew that like we were stepping in to take care of things. We weren't there to shake everything up and change everything. So we just made it real smooth, you know. So Nick and I were talking, you know, about some of the things to, to look for when you're looking to buy a business. And we only very briefly scratched the surface. But one of the things in my research was uh, see if you can get the seller to stick around for a while. So you basically had four years where Kirby and I'm guessing his wife, yep, you know, were, were still involved in the business, even though. You know, those first two years, they were still the owner. But the next two years, you guys owned it. Right. And, you know, that that kind of made the transition so much easier, didn't it? Dude, that, that is, if you can if you can make that happen, if you can get the owner, like if you're trying to buy a business and can and put a, a number down the road as far as I would love to buy this business, but I want to take full, full control or I want you to be fully away in this amount of time. That is perfect scenario, especially if you get along with the people, which we get along with him and his wife. We still get dinner and stuff like that, you know, and um, it's it's just the, the, the thing that can be a little bit difficult is getting them to take their hands off the wheel once you're like, I got this. But at the same time, once you got it, you know, then it's it's your business. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, like if you can get the person to stick around and just enjoy uh, learning from them and really listen, you know, I mean, like if the, the biggest little backstory the biggest, uh, retailer for comic books is diamond. It was the long, the only retailer for a long time, but now it's just the biggest. If you ask diamond, what you need, they're not going to say, Oh, you probably only need three or four copies of this book. They're going to be like, well, it's part of a big, huge story. You're probably going to need two to 300 copies just for the shelf. You talk to an old shop owner and like, no that's okay that's all right don't do that you know so no i mean he he saved us on on a bunch of stuff and pointed out things where it's like you need that you don't need that don't let him talk you into this 
that's actually a really good idea, you know? Yeah. And that's gotta be invaluable, honestly. And so we're thinking this was probably around 2014. You decided to, you know, take the plunge. Yep. Yep. Which, you know, I, I remember this well, because the first time I shopped at Tardy's was the anniversary sale. The okay. year my daughter graduated, which was 2014. Yeah. Okay. Right on. So I remember coming in and Kirby was, you know, behind the counter and, and she had won something in one of the raffles they were doing. And, you know, she was like, yeah, cool. I think it was Anne Rice signed book. Awesome. So, That's you know, cool. it was something really cool, but, you know, yeah. she didn't really read Anne Rice. so She didn't care that much. Sure. And uh, a couple weeks later, so this is the story about how Gavin and I became, you know, closer. A couple weeks later, I, I stopped in again because she had really gotten into the flash. And get out of here. No way. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> so I stopped in and I was looking, you know, for some stuff. And I don't like talking to people in stores. I, I just want to look and be left alone. And Gavin, you know, came up to me and he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. He goes, uh, what can I help you? You know, fine. Are you looking for something specific? And I, I told him, you know, well, my daughter's into the flash. And, you know, I was just looking to see what, you know, might interest her. And, and he goes, you know, I, there's this really great series. And I don't remember what it was. But Gavin's like, yeah, I know I have it, but it might be at home. But here, get this, and she'll like this. And I'm like, all right. So I no more than got home, and I had a message from Gavin, and he's like, yep, that sets at home. I'm going to bring it in for you specially. She's going to love it. And I'm like, all right, I don't like talking to people, but this guy seems pretty nice. What you're saying is I harassed you to buy things until you bought them, and then I was like, come back and buy more things. Technically, yeah, but you were so nice about it, I didn't care. That's, that's called sales 101, right? Like, get get somebody that doesn't want to buy it and make them buy it. Like, uh, Gavin, he I was, think he was fantastic. He, he made me feel at ease, which, you know, I bought comic books when I was a kid. I, you know, as I got older, I really didn't buy them. I really didn't read them. And, you know, at that point, Caitlin enjoyed reading, but she didn't want to read big, long books. Sure. And she loves superheroes still. I mean, she's 19 at the time. She loves superheroes. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get her some comics and let's see what happens. And, you know, now she has a pull list at parties, which, you know, for those of you that are uninformed, a pull list is when you give a list to a shop and you say, I want every month, I want these comics. So when they come in, they stick them, you know, under your name and you come in and get your comics. You don't have to do anything but show up and pay for them. Please show up and pay for them. <laughs> I know how important that is because I have a friend that owns a comic book shop. Exactly. Um, and, you know, Gavin made me feel really at ease. And, and ever since, I mean, we've had this kind of, okay, I'm, it's, it's going to sound weird. We've had this beautiful give and take relationship. So Gavin runs a comic book shop. Nick has said over and over again that, you know, I dress up and run around in my Star Wars suit. You know, for those of you that don't know, my daughter runs around in a Flash suit as Jesse Quick, which is the girl version of Flash. Um, Every free comic book day, you'll see us at Tardy's in front. People standing on the sidewalks waiting to get in because it's a small shop and you can't let that many people in. And, you know, this year with COVID, I mean, that's just normal now. We'll stand on the sidewalk and take pictures with people. 
we're just out there to have a good time. He's happy because, you know, we're entertaining some people, you know, they have something to do while they're sitting there waiting to get in the door and spend money. And it's just, it's become really good. You know, we opened our business and Gavin's been one of those supportive people for Don and I, you know, throwing out ideas or trying to run dual promotions. You know, he's said before to us, hey, if you need some gift cards to give away to help drive sales, just let me know. I, I, know, I have no problem doing that. You need to put some literature at the store. I'm happy to do that. I mean, literally, he couldn't be a better business partner or, you know, honestly, a better friend. Well, you need to stop saying nice things about me right now because it's getting real uncomfortable. Yeah, I say, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just went down on the friendship list, bro. Like, <laughs> I love you too, Nick. Yeah, no, I, guys, I mean, so David and I, we talk about how we're friends, but I mean, like, you should hear how he talks about all of his real friends and then, like, the way he talks to me. <laughs> just the abuse, you know? I talk way worse to my real friends. <laughs> no, man. So, so that's, that's what it's all about though, isn't it? I mean, like we've, we've always had this good relationship and this good friendship. I, there's been times where we've been tight at the shop and I've put out posts. Like when we first bought the shop, there was a couple of sales that we were like, Hey, if you have some extra cash, it'd be really cool for you to come pick up some stuff. And you know, who was always there, David and Donnie and Caitlin. I mean, like, so, you know, I mean, like it's, it's not just owning a business together and, and helping each other out in a business. It's just humanity, you know? And like, I, I don't know, like that's the biggest thing with all of this. Don't be a butthole. Try and help your, your fellow man succeed. You know, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? It's your show. <laughs> well, you know, and, and through all COVID that's, that's a really good point too, because I know, you know, when all of this shutdown started, Gavin's one of those people that we stayed in contact with and he stayed in contact with us. So when they opened, I immediately went in and bought stuff. Dude, not necessarily it, stuff I needed, <laughs> but I felt like, okay, Gavin's always been supportive. I need to go spend some money. I'm going to go buy, you know, something at the shop. So, you know, I'll go drop 50 bucks or something. It's, you know, not a big deal to me or to him, but he's like, Hey, I, you know, money's coming in the door. He did the same for us. You know, we were sitting there closed for a while and he, he got a hold of Dawn. And he's like, I need a hundred dollars in gift cards. And yeah, she's man. like, you know, I, I know times are tough for you guys too. I don't want to put you out. He's like, no, I need a hundred bucks in gift cards. You know, sell me some gift cards. And you know, that, that was basically our sales for May. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, I mean, uh, and you should, the, so COVID has made everything insane. I mean, uh, I did a, a daily video from the store every single day because I went in every single day. And it was brutal because we're right next to a deli, so they can serve food. People were coming up and buying stuff. So essentially, it felt like we were grounded the entire time. Like, everybody's outside doing stuff. Everybody else is outside doing commerce, especially right outside of our window. And we are told, you are not allowed to interact with the public. But, you know, this is – COVID was a very good – uh, test to see if you were ready to own your own small business and what you were ready to put into it because it made us hustle in ways that we were like, eh, I didn't think I could do that, but eh, yeah, panic attacks, sure, stress, yup, but you know, you make it through, yeah. Well, and I think that's what the successful businesses find a way to do, you know, it, it's not the easiest thing and it's not necessarily what you want to do but you find a way to make it through and 
and be okay. And that's really kind of where, you know, both tardies was at and break room was at is, you know, yep, this shutdown sucks, but we're going to make it through it and we'll be okay when it gets over, whenever, you know, that may be. Right. So are you guys affected by this, this shutout shutdown now? So far we're not. Um, We had pulled back some of our own openness so like we had gone back to two rooms for a while and we made the decision on Friday to go back down to one room. And now we've made the decision that, you know, when you show up, you need to call us because we're not going to have anybody coming in the business if somebody is in the business. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're trying to make it as safe as possible, but you know, you guys know as well as I do, mental health is, is really tough for people right now. And if we can stay open and, and give people that outlet to come in and, and break some things and blow off some steam, I, I think that's helpful to people. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. If they're not, if they're not telling you specifically, I mean, like I saw the break, the list of what they want, want closed. And I mean, like you don't fit really into any of those things, which is great because you kind of, in your appointment only, I can't imagine them harassing you on that. Um, yeah, we're pretty safe, I think. I have had the the thing that's been killing us the last two days is because we're we're a retail store, and I think people forget that we're a retail store just because we're pretty comfortable. And a lot of times, it feels like you're just going and hanging out in your living room or hanging out at a friend's house. So people are like, "Are you guys closed?" We're like, "No, come in and buy your stuff now." <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, but I've had we've probably had. 30 calls in the last two days like you guys closing on wednesday no not unless we have to which we don't have to right now um so i've been writing a million notes here (laughs) so um so we had when you were talking about working with the old owners and kind of during your process of of buying them out um you know i have i have just so many questions so you talked a little bit about like you know what he, he taught you, you know, some certain, some certain things that you should buy and certain things you shouldn't and how that was benefit. Um, but some of the questions, uh, what, what did they have that you didn't, right? And then what do you have now that they didn't have? Like, um, right, like, what are some things that have changed since you bought that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I was starting to think of like, my brain was going way, way past that philosophically and things like that so like well, these just are simple and easy questions i like to i like to just be <laughs> safe. um no so i mean like one of the things that they had that we didn't carry and i i don't remember if david was shopping there when we had it but we used to have yep. an adult room we used to have a room that was just playboys and penthouses and all that kind of stuff in the store and uh my kind of place yeah, right. You know, it's it's super fancy. Um, this is actually a great story too. How we got rid of that stuff. So we we got rid of that stuff uh, because basically you'd walk in or people would walk in and they'd see it was like saloon doors, and ninety nine point like we made like I tracked the sales in that area and we did about six dollars a month in business out of that corner, and uh, people would come in with their kids and see the saloon doors and go, no, this isn't this isn't my comic book store. You know, because, I mean, like, you don't think of uh, Hustler and, and Penthouse when you think of comic books, you know? 
even though it's all paper and it's all there's comics in in those adult magazines and stuff but um it just it it didn't add anything to the store and it was actively taking away um but the the best part of the whole story was um so we buy the shop and we're getting rid of it the old owner's like yeah you're gonna lose a lot of money and you know i i'd showed him about the crack in the room and stuff and he goes yeah I, i get it you know so we put it all up on ebay and it was 37 short boxes of adult magazines and it was pickup only you had to drive up and pick it up for 500 bucks and uh somebody bit that was that lived over in wisconsin and drove all the way to our store uh they didn't get to the shop until like midnight so we had to meet them down at the store at midnight to sell pornography um and so like midnight midnight porn deal at the shop and um they pull up and they look around and they go what the hell is this place and i go it's a comic book shop like you know superhero movies are kind of in vogue people know about comic book shops for the most part they were blown away at the concept and they're like well what do you do like just sell out of here and i go oh we have conventions they're like like porn conventions and i go sure they they knew the concept of porn conventions but not comic cons wow so quick side story um my wife and i got married just over 10 years ago we were we were broke uh so we we go to las vegas for our honeymoon because it was cheaper than going up to the upper part of michigan like people don't believe this like when you start doing the math like it was just it was cheaper so we go to chicago i like i'm a freak i book everything so ahead of like so on time i call i call about our hotel room so many times we get to chicago and pull into the hotel area and the guy the guy's like nope we're full and i was like nope we have a reservation he goes no you don't and i was like yeah i've called you three times like the past couple weeks like and he goes no you haven't called me i hit like my phone call the guy answers the phone while he's standing outside the door and he's like this hotel and i was like yeah i'm calling about my room i was like i've called you it's on your list so and we go to we're like forget it we'll go find another hotel room and we're traveling all these hotel rooms in chicago right and everybody's sold out and we finally find one. My uncle, big shout out to Tony. Um, there's one room left and it's like penthouse at some place and it's $450 for the night. And we're like, yeah, no, we're, we're broke. He goes, nope, it's my gift to you guys. And we're like, All right, why is every place sold out? And they go, oh, there's a porn convention happening um, down, in, down in Chicago here. And I was like, there's conventions for this? Like, holy crap. So yes, like people know about porn conventions. Um, I just, I, the only reason I know about them now is because I couldn't get my hotel room that I booked for 40 bucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's insane, man. Well, but, I, so, I have to, yeah. I have to ask this, Gavin. So Kirby opened the shop in 79. Yep. I have to imagine that room probably generated a good amount of money through the 80s and early 90s before the internet. Right. And since the advent of the internet, who buys porn magazines? Oh, it's not. It's it's so there's there's people that are legitimate collectors that would come in. Yep. I was like, I I dealt with these people for two years, you know, and there's people that were legit collectors, and you know, it wasn't all porn, there was just comic books that were more risque and things like yep. that. Which you don't need a whole room for that. Um but uh most of the time, and I'm sure I've told this story to you, David, before, most of the time it's the mentally handicapped coming in and buying adult magazines. Yep. And it, 
it's not a great feeling. I mean, like, not that they don't deserve to see all that kind of stuff, but like the sentimentally handicapped person in an adult magazine, it doesn't give you the warm feelings in your heart that you'd like, you know? Not like when you came in and was like, my daughter's looking for some Flash comics, and I'm like, I gotcha. It's not like, I need to find porn, and it's like, come on, let's go find some. Let's go, little buddy. Um, So, um, so now, and then what do you have, what do you have now that they didn't have? So I guess, did you replace that space? I mean, or what is something, what is something that you brought to the business new? So we, we filled out more in that space with, with comic books and made everything, uh, much more, more full. We have a huge, way more, um, graphic novels and individual sets of comic books and things like that, but they didn't do, they did very little to no toys. And we've really, really leaned in hard to vintage toys. So, uh, Star Wars, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, uh, and then 70s stuff like Six Million Dollar Man, um, Pulsar, you know, just weird, eclectic, uh, anything that you can you can lay your hands on, you know, that's cool, old, vintage, we're, we're about it, you know? Sure. Um, so I, I have to say this, uh, just to cut you off. Yeah. So, full disclosure, you know, I know a guy that was on a TV show and they, they brought in a USS flag to that TV show, TV yeah. shows, comic book men. And they tried to sell this, this ship to the shop. And, and I think that Ming ended up buying USS flag. So yep. I know that Gavin procured a USS flag, which is the GI Joe big um it's it's the biggest playset that's ever existed it's seven foot long aircraft carrier aircraft carrier thank you i couldn't figure out the name of it uh they put it together over two three weekends oh at the shop yeah no we did that in one weekend okay so in one weekend they put the entire thing together and it was in the middle of the store for god i want to say a couple months yeah, it was like six months. Dude, and okay, this was an an oopsie advertising event thing that I didn't even mean to do. So we were working a random Saturday. One of our guys called off, and Dean and I aren't usually at the shop on Saturdays. So we're like, well, we got to put together this flag and see how complete it is. Uh, call up my buddy Brett and a few other friends that own flags, and I go, hey, you guys want to come down and help me build this thing? They go, yeah, sure. And I was like, ah, j- just for grins, you know, I was like, let's make this a Facebook event. Uh, come help us build a, a flag with Tardy's Collector's Corner. And um, I think like 30 people showed up in store to hang out watching us build this flag. And then there was another like 40 people. We did it on Facebook Live. Another like 40 people watching us just build this thing and hanging out. And people are shopping around us and generating sales and just it, it, but it was so cool because people would walk up and talk and be like, oh, did you know that the flag was built? uh as a bet by between people at, at uh hasbro because they didn't believe that they could market something so big and it was like it was just cool like all these little factoids just kept dropping out you know so did you i, I seen one of those at uh the grand Rapids public museum because they had the toys exhibit for like the last year and they had yep. one just in the middle of like this entire thing did you happen to go to that exhibit at the public museum yeah so Real quick, other sidebar, the, the guy that set that all up, uh, his name's Tim Priest, and he still helps us on weekends. He'll be working this weekend at the shop. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. Um, yeah. 
I say. Um, so you had mentioned David pull list. I'm a little familiar. Uh, I, I hung around some, I, I didn't do comic books, but I, I did like nerd magic, the gathering. Um, do you have like, do you have rules for your pull list people? Like David said, Hey, please pay for it and stuff like that. Like, um, I know the comic book shop I went to, like, he's like, look, if you go, if you go two weeks without getting it, like you're no longer allowed a pull list here type of a thing, because people would just constantly like, you know, keep their stuff building up and he, he wouldn't sell his supply. Right. I mean, um, you know, do, do you have lists for your people? Um, and then how does that affect like with COVID? Like, you know, are you shutting down for COVID or no? Um, so we, we did nine weeks shut down, but we don't have to shut down for this next one and, until they tell us we have to. Um, sure. So right now we're, we're golden. Um, but no, uh, yeah, we've got a pull list set up. It's usually about three weeks, but we don't, we don't just stick everybody's stuff back out on the shelf after three weeks. We usually wait about three weeks and then get a hold of them and go, Hey, you know, you got a stack of stuff here. You got to make your way in or just give us credit card number. We'll run it over the phone right now. And most people go, ah, I didn't even realize it had been three weeks. I'm so sorry. Here's my credit card number. Let's take care of it right now. And we'll just hold on to it for them. It's paid for, you know, it's taken care of. Um, The, the, I'd say, so like the best thing that we got, by buying the shop is our customer base. Our customer base is so amazing. Uh, anytime we're in trouble, anytime they know that, like for instance, the first time that COVID shut us down, we it would, it, a half hour after they announced that all the businesses were closing down, you would have thought a bus let out in front of our store with as many people that came in and were just like, well, you know, here's my polls. Here's another hundred dollars to take care of anything that might come in for me while you guys are shut down you're taken care of, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of our, our pull, pull and hold system is um, three weeks and then we contact you and, and then we probably give you another week or two. And if we don't hear from you after that, then we shut you off, you know? Yep. Now, do you have, so do you have like promos for those people or um, like we're, we're Bucks and Bruce. I mean, Bruce, right. I'm, I'm a mug club member at more places than, uh, than most people are. So like, do you have like, you know, like a, a, a comic book club or, or whatever? Like, I mean, is there, is there a benefit to getting your, you know, being on a pull list? Like what's the, what's the perk that you have? The, the main thing is, is, I mean, like we don't have a ton of perks per se, but a lot of comic book clubs, they'll charge you. They'll be like, okay, well it's, it's 10 bucks a year and you get 10% off your books or 20 bucks a year and you get 20% off your books or whatever. We have our bonus uh, program that we give you stamps for every $5 you spend, you get a stamp. When you fill it up, you get a uh, $25 uh, credit in the store and you can stack them. You can use them as much as you can. The big thing though, is we go through our books and make sure that the stuff is not damaged. We bag and board stuff if you request it and it's there. So there's so many books that people like, uh, Case in point, there was a book that came out a couple weeks ago, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin, which uh, it was a huge book. It was the first book that Kevin Eastman and, and Peter Laird worked on together since mid-90s. Uh, they hadn't done Turtles since then. You know, they barely really even talked. Um, so this book, like, mm-hmm. they they underproduced it, basically. And, um, huh? Oh, raffle tickets, too. That's right. Yeah, there is another thing. Duh. My wife's like, hey, don't forget. Um, but uh, so they, they underproduced this book from what they needed to. So then they shorted our orders. Comic book shops nationwide, they shorted them by 20%. 
So we didn't get close to 25, 30 copies. So it was almost to the point where like the only way you could get a copy of that book at any of the shops locally is having a pull and hold. And, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of benefits. It shows to us that you're serious about shopping with us and it, you'd be surprised the extra little things, you know, like, like with David, I know he, what he's looking for. So he'll get random messages where I go, Hey man, like for instance, he was looking for an ad at Walker, like a vintage ad at for a long time. And a long I, time. I got a really nice one in my Walker is it's a Star Trek thing. That's like a square box with some feet. And, uh, it, it, it blows up a star destroyer dust thingy. Um, (laughs) don't don't listen to a word. Nick says he has no idea what he's talking about. It was from that movie black hole. And they, they, they make the noise at, at when they walk around. That's exactly right. Um, See, Gavin gets it. I was perfect with that. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it, man. You're perfect. Um, clearly, you have a huge grasp on science fiction. And oh, that's <laughs> perfect. Absolutely. So, so you know, I mean, like, you you develop that customer base and you develop that pull list. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is you develop that relationship and uh, you kind of get first dibs with things. And also, as my wife just popped in, was like, hey, don't forget this. We do a, um, a raffle once a month where all you got to do is pick up your pull list and you get a raffle ticket and we pull it every month. And whenever you win, you win uh, either a big hardcover comic book or a statue or something. Uh, it's minimum $50 value to $150 value. So, you, you know, just something extra, you know, and it's always something fun when you walk in and go, Hey, you want a thing, you know? Right. For sure. So uh, part of the, the great thing about, you know, having that personal relationship, which, you know, we hit on that a little bit, but so Gavin gave me a call or sent me a message, I don't know, four or five months ago. And he's like, hey, I have something for you. Sweet. So I come into the shop and he goes, yeah, it's not a big deal, but it's kind of cool. And he hands me a Dixie cup. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I, I have not because I love my Dixie cup. It's a Dixie cup from, I want to say, I don't know, 1980-ish of a Tuscan Raider. Now, for those of you that don't know, I dress as a Tuscan Raider for Star Wars. And Kevin goes, that's eh, not really a big deal, but I saw it and I thought of you and I thought you'd want to have this. And I'm so happy with this little, this little Dixie cup that Gavin gave to me. Yeah, that it's right now it's just sitting in a you know box but i'm gonna i'm gonna get a baseball cube for it and i'm gonna <laughs> stick it in a baseball cube because i'm so excited about a dixie cup that probably cost three cents when it came out right yep yeah no i mean, uh, I mean but that's what it's all about is you develop that personal relationship and I, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a pull list to get a personal relationship with your comic book guy, but like, it's definitely that bringing back that whole thing that we talk about, about community and like getting to know a person. So you're not, I think one of the biggest problems that they have, we have with like big corporations like Walmart and Target and stuff is you're never used to seeing the same person uh, every time you come. I mean, maybe eventually, but for the most part, it's always a rotating cast and you never really get to know anybody, you know? 
I get to know all my customers, you know, know how they're doing. One of our customers had surgery a few months ago. And like, I've been talking with his daughter almost like once a week, just checking in and see how he's doing and stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, I think that's what separates right. Big business from small businesses. Um, you know, definitely like you hit it right in the head. It's, it's that relationship building. I mean, you know, again, nobody else would do any, like a, a Tuscan Raider Dixie cup. Right. I mean, that's something very small and, it, it just, right. It hit the, it hit the home for, for David. And, you know, you've hit a lifelong customer at that point. And um, I went, gotcha. When I did it. Right, dude. I mean, you, you have to, right. I mean, that's, yeah. hey, you ain't going nowhere else, buddy. That's uh, right. I owe you now, you know, but, and, and I know when I go looking for things, even in, even in the real estate side, right. It's like, um, if I don't make a relationship with people, like nobody knows that I'm, looking for a place right like now randomly it's just hey um there's this my, my neighbor's selling this place or something like that right and it's just all off of that quick oh hey like you know i probably bought a person a shot or something <laughs> who knows you know but um you know it's, it's those small things that that equal out right and um if i buy a place from somebody like i i almost always go for a steak dinner right it's like my hey thanks so much for thinking of me like here we go um so I know one of the biggest questions everybody's going to have, everybody's going to have, right? Like I'm going to buy a small business that's been around forever um, or whatever uh, for a small period of time. How do you come up with your numbers like to buy the place, right? Like, I, I don't know. You don't have to be specific if you don't want to, but like, I, I, I would assume that Tardis isn't worth $5 million, right? Like, um, right. you know, like how, how do you come up with like the value of what, what the, the place is worth? how much, you know, how much you're actually willing to pay? Like, how did you come up with that, that figure? Well, I was, I was actually, I, I won't get super specific into it, but I was actually really lucky with, um, cause we had, our, my wife and I had been talking about opening up a comic book shop for, for years. You know, that's what, that was our goal to do. That's why he brought it up with us to buy this shop. And we had looked into it and, and looked in, there's um, the company diamond that sells the comic almost all comic books has a, a figure kind of like, a, okay, well, this is the number that you should have to open up your own business. And it was between this number and this number. And when we first started talking about it, he had a number in mind and we're like, okay, cool. And it took a three or four times getting together of, of him at, to actually give us the number, because I think he was afraid that we were going to flinch at the number. And it was kind of on the high side of what they said a good startup business would cost. But at the same time, we're not buying a startup business or we're not starting a startup business. We're buying uh, something that already has legs in the community. We have, you know, at least 50 pull and hold customers, 50 to 100 at the time. Um, we've got regulars. We've got people who know the name in town um, and, and we were, we're established, you know. So, I mean, like it was like I said, it was on the high side of what they said was acceptable to have to start up a business or uh, start up a comic book shop, but it was like, okay, well, you're not getting a startup. You're getting something that's fully ready to go. You know, it's, it's step in and do this thing. So now, now, I mean, I guess, did you, right. Did you ask him for his, so like when I go buy apartments, right. Like I ask for a schedule E, right. It shows, it shows me how much money you actually made. Like, you know, anybody tell they're blue in the face can say, Oh, this, this can rent for 1100 bucks and blah, blah, blah. But like the bank's not going to finance me on $1,100 per, per unit for a hundred units. If you're really only getting $600 a unit, like nobody cares about the, what could be right. Like it's, it's right. the, what is, um, I mean, how did you, 
did did you get to see his his finances? I mean, oh yeah, we were we were able to see. I mean, we were very. Uh, that was that was another thing that was cool. Is they were very open about everything. We were very. Uh, they were very transparent and we're, like I said, we were friendly beforehand. So it was very much like, this is what we make normally. And I could see already with what I was doing just because he was, they'd been doing it for 35 years. They didn't really uh, take advantage of things like eBay or social media or things like that. Uh, just from me stepping in and doing th- little things like that and selling on eBay, I was generating another like 30% worth of revenue that they weren't before uh, we stepped in. And this was me just kind of like, okay, well, helping out as much as I can. If I was really throwing coals on the fire, you know, I was still doing my eBay on the side. Um, sure. So like when, when I was like, okay, well, if this is mine and I can put both feet in on this, it's going to be way more than 30%, you know, and it is. I mean, that's uh, that's the nice thing about owning your own business, especially when you're selling things is basically you're just um, you're you're responsible for what you're gonna make, you know. Like um, I could make bare bones, regular, what whatever comes through the door is what I make. I could make ten times that if I really wanted to just sit on the computer and list comic books until my fingers bled, you know. I mean, like you can, no matter what, it's you. That's the hardest part about owning a business is it's all you. You you know, like your successes, that's you your failures and your short-sightedness and your, man, I just really wanted to go golfing that day. Yep. That's you too. You know, I do really want to go golfing. I know. Right. Um, now, so you answered one of my questions. Are you doing online sales? Um, you had mentioned like when you started, you were doing shows. Are you guys still doing shows now? There's, there is none. I mean, we're trying. Well, besides, so before COVID, I guess, like in the, so you've owned it for six years, I guess. So in the past five and a half years, were you, were you still kind of doing shows and things? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we would normally, it's this year has been really rough just, just mentally for not being able to just go and do shows. Um, right. We would usually do anywhere from 12 to 20 in a year. Um, okay. Depending on, on, you know, like, and some of them were as small as like, okay, well it's, it's nine to three at this gymnasium. And some of them were like, okay, Byron Center. Byron Center. Exactly. But then there was, uh, Indianapolis where you're there from Thursday morning, setting up till Sunday night, tearing down. Sure. Um, were the old owners doing shows as well? They did back in the day. I mean, they did in the the eighties and nineties and they had really like taken their foot off the gas on it. And I think that's another thing is if you're going to do the business that we do, like they hadn't done a convention in six years before we started and they did one right before we bought the shop from them. Like we went and did it with them, but you really have to get out there and see what people are buying and, and see what people are interested in because especially in the collectible uh, industry, things can change on a dime, you know, I mean, like to make sure that your prices are right to make sure that you're, uh, well, pricing your stuff the right, and, but also paying what you're supposed to be paying for things. Because all of a sudden a book that you thought was $200 and you could sell for $200 regularly, it can take a nosedive just like a stock. And all of a sudden you're paying, you know, $150 for a book that you're only going to be able to make a hundred dollars. Maybe. on. Sure. So you're taking the loss. Um, right. So, I mean, I have a few more questions on, on my end. Um, yeah. 
Let's see. I have to figure out. So I'm interested. What's the most expensive thing you've seen either come through your shop or you've owned in your shop? Like what's the most expensive thing in the comic book world? Cause um, I, I've heard this like magical story of like a, a amazing fantasy 15. Is it 15? What's that? I don't even know. Like, you know, the, the first ever comic book, like Spider-Man number one edition is sold for like, I don't know, 10 yeah, grand. Amazing or... fantasy. Is it 15 Gavin? Am I right? Yeah, you got it. So, you know, like, you nailed it. it's, it's funny. I saw one of those today, actually. One of my customers is getting one graded. So I, I got to handle one of those today. Um, How nice low, was it? Uh, low grade, I mean, but a low grade Still. copy. So like, uh, so, so CGC is the company that grades them. Yep. It goes from 1.0 to 9.8, basically. This would probably be a one to a two. You're still looking at 20 grand. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, that's, that's still not the most impressive one that I've handled though. Um, What's the most impressive? The most impressive was, uh, so the first appearance of Batman is detective 27. Oh yeah. The next, so I've, I've never seen one of those in person. I've never handled one, but kind of the next most impressive is there's, there's two, there's detective 38, which is the first appearance of Robin. And then there's Batman number one, which is the first appearance of the Joker and Catwoman and Penguin. And so I handled, I hold, handled both of this. I'll tell you the whole story. One of our customers, he was really in, in dire straits, going to have his power shut off, all this kind of stuff He comes in and he goes, Hey, like we're getting ready to head out to a show. And he goes, I need to talk to you about these comic books. And I go, can it wait? And he's like, I am really, I am, I got to talk to you about this, you know, like really worked up. And I go, okay. So it brings in this box or these, these banker bags. And just like what you'd think for like a deposit pouch would look like. Yep. Unzip, unzips it. There's a first appearance of the fantastic four, uh, amazing fantasy 15. There's an Avengers number one. There's a, every big book that you can think of that there's a movie on. He had that, those books, but I'm like, you know what? I've handled these books before. I've seen them. I'm cool. Like I've, I'm unflappable, you know, like you're not going to blow my mind with the first appearance of Spider-Man. So we keep going. And there's a first appearance of the Green Lantern, the first appearance of Hal Jordan, which I'd never seen one of those before. Not as not an insanely expensive book, but starting to sweat a little bit. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And then I get into the Batmans and I get to the Detective 38 and I'm like, okay, I need to either put these books down because I am like shaking. I'm so excited handling that one and then handling the Batman number one. I mean, that is, that is comic book insanity. So the Batman, let's see. Uh, one of them, I think it was the Batman number one sold for $40,000. And then the detective 38 sold for, I want to say 27 to $30,000. Wow. So, and then you, you sell them on consignment for him. Yeah. So basically he didn't want to, he, he wanted just, cash in hand we're like okay and the way he came in and the way he was nervous i was thinking that he needed cash like like gonna break my kneecaps i need cash right now type of situation yeah which it, we're like okay well what's what's your timetable how fast you need to move that these and he goes oh in the next year or so we're like in the next year all right well let's do this you know yeah. so we we got him graded we sent him off to we didn't do him on ebay we did him on one of the more prestigious auction houses we sold on heritage which is kind of the gold standard for auction houses for collectibles and things. Okay. Yep. So I think, uh, so I have two questions or I have a question and a statement on that. 
Um, one, I love how like excited you got about comic books and I'm over here like, yeah, you know, hey, it's, it's comic like, but I, I love your passion for it, right? Like you're in the right business because you're passionate about your business and what you do. Um, and then my question is the Batman that where, where like the Joker comes in and the penguin and all that, like when you open that book, does like kiss from a rose by seal, just play like, like a birthday card. Like, yeah, absolutely. Why, no, why I mean, do you like, have to go to one of the worst Batman movies? It's like the greatest Batman movie. Horrible. It's probably because it's like the only one I've seen. Uh, <laughs> no, so so the song that plays in my head is if you're familiar with Flight of the Concords, they do a song called "There's There Are Angels Doing It Doing It in the Clouds," and that's what pops into my brain. There, there you go. Um, so I I don't know if you guys are intending to sell, um, but what are some suggestions? What are some things that you would give? the old owner or even yourself or anybody that's looking to sell, like what is the suggestion? Like what should you have if you're ready to sell your business? If you're looking to sell it, like what should you do? What are some things you should have in, in, in place? Honestly, man, I think that that was, that was the best case scenario. I mean, I, I can't think of a, a more smooth transition. I got to meet the customer base as not the, not the guy that's going to come take over. I got to meet them as just a, Hey, this is Gavin. He's going to be helping out in the shop to the point where, Hey, Gavin's here every single week to the point where like, Hey, Gavin's going to start taking over this place, you know, and everybody was just on board. You know, like I got to meet everybody. Everybody was comfortable with me. Yeah. I I, I lost zero customers in this, the switchover. I mean, zero. I lost no one. You know, when we look at, you know, Grand Rapids in a whole. Yeah. So there were like four or five comic book shops, you know, when I moved up to Grand Rapids, which would have been 99-ish. You know, I got Caitlin when she was five, so she was, you know, we're talking 2000, 2001. And I, I went to different comic book shops with her, but I never really found one I liked until Gavin's like, yeah, try this, try that. You might like this. She might like that. Really, you know, it's it's the little things when you look at an owner of a business. So do they, I'm do they make their base feel comfortable? Do they, you know, are they personable? What were you going to say, Gavin? Go ahead. I'm, I'm broken on this level. I mean, like you guys are, are it's very nice of you to invite me onto the show and, because this is all about business and things like that. And yeah, to, as an, as in the most basic sense, yes, I do own a business, but at the same time, like I couldn't own, I don't, I don't think I could own any other business. I am so fully invested in comic books. I've had people come in and be like, you should buy this insert here, Pokemon card, magic card. Uh, you, should, you should, I, we, we met, we met at a, I said we met at a new year's party or something a couple years back or maybe yeah, last yeah. year. And yep. uh, a couple years I, ago, you know, I I'm sitting here going, okay, you know, I like the guy. I'd like to support his business. I was like, man, you should carry magic just so I can come into your store and, and buy stuff and just hang out. And he's like, it's not our thing. And I was like, you know, it could be your thing. Cause I would, I mean, granted you've kept me from being broke, but <laughs> like, um, you know, it's, like, it's, just, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, 
uh, you're, you're, you're devoted to, to what you are and your brand and things like that. And I, and I appreciate that. Um, that. That's the thing. And I, I turn away money quite a bit for magic and Pokemon and things. And people go, well, why don't you carry that stuff? You're a comic book store. And it's just like, well, A, they're not really comic books. And B, there's so many good stores in town that dedicate themselves to Magic the Gathering Pokemon that are fantastic. You walk in and they know everything about it. They love to talk. They love to play. I'm not that guy. And I don't, I don't want to sell you something that I don't care about because you'd be like, hey, did you see the new sparkly whatever special card? And I'd be like, nope. It's cool, <laughs> cool, I guess. You know, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, do you, do you swear on this? Yeah, we um, do, yes. Okay. Quite often. <laughs> I don't want to shit in somebody's cereal bowl when they're super excited about something. Like, oh my gosh, did you see this cool thing? And I'm like, you know, that sucks. No, I, and I can appreciate that, right? Because, um, you know, I, I, I know, I know as a kid, like, you know, I was that 90s kid who wanted some football cards and I got everybody's hand-me-downs and they were all like nobody handed me a really good card but I'd still go into like places and I'm like hey can I sell any of these right and anybody that's watching my brother was really big into a, a player on the Carolina Panthers called Tim Biakabatuka and he like got injured within like half a year right like didn't even do anything but like I'm sitting here like this is gonna be the greatest running back of all time like and nobody would give me a dime and I'm sitting here going all right, I'm on cloud nine, and these people are like, yeah, you just got shit. And I'm like, come on. So, but so I can appreciate that. At least you're at least you're you're honest with it. And again, devoting yourself to what you know is the biggest thing. Um, you know, but, there there are those small niche things that you sit there and you go, God, I love that. So Gavin knows garbage pail kids for me. Oh, and I got you too. I fucking love that. <laughs> so I'm I'm growing up and you know I'm one of those 80s kids Nick doesn't understand this because he was born in the late 80s so I'm one of those 80s kids and my grandmother worked at the market down the road okay it was it was this little place you went to get your fucking uh milk or you know six pack or whatever Every time she worked, she came home either with baseball cards, football cards, or garbage pail kits. And I loved baseball cards, and I loved football cards, but man, those garbage pail kits were the stupidest thing ever. But I was so excited. My mother burned all of mine. Oh. In the burn barrel and just torched them. I've heard this story many times before, and it sucks so bad to hear. Gavin, every time I come in, do I grab a pack or two or three of garbage pail kids? Every single time, absolutely. Like I said, I gotcha. Yep. I, uh, I, you know, I want to go back to you know the perfect the perfect scenario, right? So when I when I bought one of my buildings, when I bought an eight unit, um, I, I was looking at a completely different eight unit right around the corner, and I brought my mentor because this is my first of bigger purchases and things. And he's like, I'm be honest with the kid. Like this one needs this. And he just started pointing out things. He goes, it's pretty well, you know, it's, it's horribly maintained. There's just, you know, it's not good management. You're going to have a big struggle. He goes, let me show you what it should look like. And I'm like, okay, like if you're going to show me what it look good, like I, I, I'm going to know how to bring this to that. Like, that's what I have you for. And he's like, well, you know, 
if you're going to buy that one and you're really serious, what, what do you think about buying this one? It's already managed well and good client. And I was like, well, I mean, if you're serious, like, you know what I'm going to pay for this. I'm not paying you anymore. <laughs> like <laughs> I have numbers. And he's like, Oh, that's fine. You know? Um, so I, I dressed up as a, uh, like a, a pest, a pest company or whatever, like with, with some people and like, we're going through some units and I, you know, it's first time kind of getting to know it. And then as I'm buying it, he's like, all right, we're going to go do some maintenance together. And like, Hey, this is, and so like people started getting to know things like, but they wouldn't know that I'm looking to buy it. Right. It was just, Hey, you know, he's hanging around good company like this guy. And then all of a sudden, right. It was like, all right, purchase, you know, Walt stays around for quite a while. And he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure the tenants know not to call me, but to call you with all their problems and things like that. And just slowly like, right. But like that hands-on thing of like, now my tenants aren't afraid that some random person is just kind of buying it. Right. Like they're not, Oh, is he going to raise rent? Is he going to kick it out? Is he going to do this? You know, like, I mean, you're always feared for that. Right. Like even with pull lists, like, Oh, is he going to keep my pull list? Is he going to care that I I've been around since 1979, you know, like, I'm the number one, like, does he care about me? And so I think there's like so much to be said about that because right. Like you want, you, you want to care about that person as well as that, the other, the old owner did, right. Like you want them to understand, Hey, like, yes, we don't have that relationship, but we'll get there. Right. (laughs) Like I want that opportunity. It never hurts to get an endorsement from the old person that they trust. You know, you get that. This, this is the guy. I'm not the guy anymore, but this is going to be the guy and he's going to take care of you, well, you know? And I, I, I've bought in other places. Um, I've bought in other places where, where let's be honest, like management was horrible and the owner didn't do anything. Right. And so like, I, I get over there and I'm like, Hey, I'm Nick, you know, I'm the new owner. Great. Like, you know, blah, blah. blah. And you know, get the one person that's like this, 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 this is, this is wrong. And I'm like, I'll get to it eventually. Like, you know, just, let me, let me, let me slowly work on that. I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna flip your unit while you're in it type of a thing. Yeah. But, right. Know, I have the opportunity. And so like, I start showing up and I start, you know, doing certain things and it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Like one of the big things, and it's even a joke with like so many people is like, I I've had three phone calls, which is like the first ever three phone calls I've ever denied because I'm on this podcast. But like I answer my phone no matter what, like anytime, like I am that guy. Right. So like, that's what I offer people a lot. And so it's, there's times where you can, you can benefit and you know, you, you need that hands-on, but there's other times where you're like, Nope, that owner is no longer around. He has nothing to do with it. Like letting you know that things have changed here. So um, I think there's a time and place like where that happens. Um, You know, we had it go around, we had it go around uh, last year. I think it was like uh, there was a snowplow company that like, they landed half of Jenison. I swear it's half of Jenison through like snow plowing, right? They plowed like the first week and then they never showed to anything else. And it was like, so that you go, oh, hey, my snow plow. And like the company just closed the doors, like took everything, was like, see ya. It was like, oh crap. So then like all these companies had like an opportunity to come in and like earn that respect again. But like, you know, people are very timid at that point. Like, I'm not going to get taken twice. You're dumb. You know, granted, that's why I have two shovels and get out there and do it. But. you know even even now like and referrals referrals are huge right like i i use a lot of waltz people i mean we've become best friends on some certain things um and he's used some of my people just because like hey you know my my electrician right like yep is a fantastic guy goes and does things like on time and he never really had a an actual you know he always called like a different company like yeah you know we can get there but like his plumbing people 
people like, hey, it's Walt. Oh, hold on. Like, yeah, hey, you know what? Your toilet's going to stay running for like an hour. Like, they're, they're over here, you know, but like, yeah, we'll, we'll come back, you know, but um, so there's, there's just that that relationship building is, is huge to me, especially in small business, right? Like, um, I mean, I look at myself, like I lost a corporate job and that was because I was a number, right? Like, so when you're, if your customers just feel as a number, they're going to go to a place that they don't feel like a number, right? Like, I don't know. You don't, you don't call David. Oh man, there's, you know, bag number 167. Here you go, man. Like that, you know, you don't ask people to come in. Hey, what's your number? <laughs> like, right. Hey, yeah. So and I think, I think that's huge. Well, and I mean, like that's because we're everything is getting so so much further and further away from that, especially with COVID, especially with people only like barely being able to leave the house to go, uh, either go to work or do they they're doing very little socializing and stuff to be able to come into a store. Because I mean, like again, you go to Meyer and they're tired and they're scared and they're they're beat. You know, what I mean, like and and they've been mistreated because people are yelling at them all the time about because they're they're pissed off and scared. But you go to a shop that that cares, and I mean, like I, I hear it a lot. People come in and they go, "Wow, this this shop is really cool." And I see it a lot in our reviews on Google and stuff, where they're like, "The customer, the the people that run the place are insanely knowledgeable and extremely nice." And like, that's all I go for in life. If even if you don't buy anything, I'll take knowledgeable and nice, and just you know, make sure that you're having, you're enjoying the hobby. You know? Can I can I can I get a million dollars? No, but I will show you some this books. Guy, that this guy's not nice. Don't let him talk anymore. Cut him off. He said he was nice. I just said no. So, <laughs> so and, and here's one of the things, you know, Nick can probably back me up on this. I'm kind of a pain in the ass. What? Factual statements. It's okay that I'm a pain in the ass, but how you win people over is by actually – honestly caring about them okay mm -hmm. so when they walk in the door you you care about whatever their story might be so gavin knows you know i i help don run a business and when people walk in the door you know we care about them we want them to have a great experience when they come to our business and i think that's why he, him and diana are so successful because when you walk in the door at tardy's you know, that these people honestly care about whether you have a good experience at their shop. You don't necessarily have to buy anything. You right. just have to come in and, and they're going to tell you a story or they're going to suggest some things to you. And as long as you had a good time there, they're happy. Well, I, well, I think, go ahead, Gavin. Oh, I was going to, the other thing too is, is to be gen, to genuinely enjoy it. And that's, that's what comes back to the things where I don't sell uh, magic cards or Pokemon or sports cards to genuinely enjoy it. You don't like, I, I, I'm one of those people that I would rather you not talk to me at all than to lay on this fake customer service spiel and ploy. Like I hate being sold on things. So there's customers. I'm sure David's one of those customers that they'll walk in the door and I'll go, ha ha, fuck you. And that's what they need. That's yep. customer service. You know, they're like, ha ha, fuck you too. You know? You know, so I, I think that's huge. You know, so we hit it on the head, right? Like I, I don't have the passion for comic books that you have. Right. But like, I have the passion for the money aspect, sure. and, you know, we're business. And, and so, right. I've asked that question to some other people 
um, where it's about like, hey, what's the what's the coolest thing you've seen? But like, I want to know the vet. Like, there's a difference between coolest things, right? Like the David, the Tuscan Solo Cup, which is worth three cents, and yeah. the like actual like forty thousand dollar for a comic book. Like that, in, like no matter what it is, like that interests me, right? Like I want to know what the weirdest thing that sold for the most money and and on it, it blows right just like magic or whatever like the, the most expensive card or um but the most expensive piece of paper that actually sold for money like it blows my mind how things can go from you know i don't even know what the comic book back in the day was like 25 cents or whatever and now it's worth 40 grand right like and it was, so it was 10 cents originally but now now that brings me to my next investment point because we have to talk about money um we talked a little bit about the Ninja Turtles thing and the two people that wrote it never talked to each other. If I want to get into like, so baseball cards are coming back. I don't know if you guys know this at all, but like, dude, it's, it's becoming like this collector's thing. Gary, Gary V, which I'm wearing his shoes. Oh, hold on. Let me take one down. Um, I got the ones on right now. So my boy, Gary V, uh, my one broke after I wore it three days, uh, right in the heel area, but I only had it because I I've owned them for, I don't know, two years now or whatever it is, but they said, because the receipts older than like 60 days, I can't get my money. Or I can't, they won't replace anything. And I'm like, that is so much bulk. Like I've kept them as collectors things. Now I'm just wearing them. Cause I'm like, I don't really care. Um, I, didn't, I didn't do them as collectors items. Like I wanted them for like special, like, Hey, I need to get into business mode. And um, the time has happened, but I think, you know, how do I know if a comic book is going to be worth money um, is there a way to kind of judge these things? Like, what do you suggest for somebody who's like me, who really just wants to look at another business adventure? And how do I find the right comic book for me? There's, and so there's a ton of ways to figure that out. I mean, there's, you can Google and look up comic book investment apps and comic book invest websites and things like that. And the main thing that they're going to say for any of this kind of stuff is look for new, new appearances of characters, look for, uh, things that might be prevalent in movies and, and TV later, you know? Um, so like for instance, Marvel's doing the Eternals, uh, the Eternals comic books, uh, they've got Angelina Jolie and a handful of other people they, I don't think we've seen a trailer for it yet, but they're, it's coming, you know, like COVID really threw a wrench and everything. Um, I had four full sets of the original comic books uh, that I couldn't give away. And now you look at a number one, the number one, when I, had looked up looked it up before sold for about five bucks maybe if you found the right person now it's an easy couple hundred dollar book um there's variations to the cover that you can get two three grand for um wow so it's one of those things that really one of the things is driving the comic book community is um movies and tv and what's getting licensed and what getting options so um, doing all that research so if i came in if i came into your shop as just a guy who wants to make some money i mean can you guide me in the right direction of what what i might be able to buy it's so i can tell you things that are sound investments i can be like oh this is the first appearance of such and such that is going to be in this movie or whatever but really what you want to do is is be that guy that's kind of ahead of the curve on all that you know you want to do as much research as you can so it you know, like for me, I'm going to try and sell you a book that's a first appearance of a character that's already known because I don't want to sell you something that's not proven already. Sure. Whereas if you're doing something on your own and going through the bins and go, oh, hey, this character is going to be in Suicide Squad. Um, 
I have it marked for $4 and it's selling online for 200. You know, I mean, like comic books are like that right now. You can go into a shop and go through people's dollar bins or go through people's bin bins and find books that are worth more than what we have priced on them. I mean, it's, and it's frustrating as a business owner to be like, ah, I saw that book sell for $75 and I had $4 on it, but that's how business works. You know, like you, you, you got to watch yourself when you do that because you run the risk going into a shop and making the owner angry or something like that. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's you, that person priced that book at that price. They need to be happy with what they got out of it. Sure. Um, If I was, if I was running out since, you know, Marvel Phase 4 is coming out. Yeah. And, and I bought like a Shang-Chi. Yeah. So that went from being about a $25 book, a first appearance of Shang-Chi, to, oh, the last copy that I had was really beat, and I sold it for 175 instantly. So, I mean, like, that's, that's the move, really, is to stay on top of things. Like, I remember when uh, Guardians of the Galaxy first started uh, being announced and stuff. The first appearance of Star Lord was like a ten dollar book before that. Yeah. Um, and and then it shot up to be like a four hundred and fifty dollar book. This Almost. Is it's awesome to talk about this money because like I didn't realize there was this much money in comic books. Like, I you know because again it's not it's not an interest to me and it, uh, it's the same as baseball and football cards. It you know really? it's just collectibles. And and in all honesty, Gavin really as far as I'm concerned, has cornered the market on this. It's not only the uh, comic books, it's, it's the toys too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, you look at examples of that, right? Like kiss, right? I mean, they came out with toys. I mean, you look at, I mean, we look at star Wars, right? As much as I make fun of star Wars and know nothing about it, but you know, there's so much money into it because why look at Disney, right? Disney bought star Wars. Now you got like three foot statues of star Wars characters out there. You've got, Every character in the Star Wars thing, I mean, dude, like people buy toys, they buy action figures, they buy, right, things that they can collect. I mean, naturally, we are people that collect things that we we enjoy. So, you know, and and looking at Star Wars as an example, so when I was a kid, they had literally, you went to any store, Meyer, Kmart, whatever, they had just this entire section of Star Wars toys. And of course, they were named for whatever it looked like. So you could buy Walrus Man, you could buy Squid Head, you could buy, you know, all these different... Sand guy? Yeah. So, mind you, later they gave these people real names. And backstories and history. Right. So now they, they actually are, are really things. So like, for example, Walrus Man is Ponda Baba. And he has this whole backstory on who he is. And, you know, people who care about Star Wars know what this is. But Nick looks at it and he goes, that dude looks like a walrus. Let's say, you know, let's, let's give a real example because this hits home for me. Um, David, what's the costume your wife has? The, the white furry thing? Muff tack. <laughs> a, mu- a muff tack, right? Yep. Uh, um, right, so they come over, they show us this thing, and I'm not a Star Wars guy. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I, I, it's, a, it's a white puffy thing. Um, it's, it's a white puffy thing. 
but then they show me a video, right? And it's like, it pans across, right? And all, and it just, it's done. And they're like, see him? I was like, yeah, that's the only time he shows up in Star Wars. He's sitting at a bar and that's it. And I was like, wow, there's a whole costume on a guy who has like a millisecond of a clip. And, and, and but then they started giving backstories of this thing. They started doing all this. Like they rewrote everything that showed up. Yeah. So, and I, you know, now that suit's worth thousands of dollars. Well, and I mean, like any of that kind of stuff, uh, comic books and toys and things like that, everybody wants the the first appearance of things, you know? I mean, like you look at any of that kind of stuff and and uh, you'll find weird little, like for, for a while, uh, Marvel produced Star Wars back in the 70s and the comic books and stuff. And they did a comic book called The Last Jedi. Had nothing to do with the movie, but all of a sudden it started shooting up in value um, just because it had the same name. You know, I mean, people, people want that first taste of that character, you know? Sure. You know, in all honesty, if, if I was going to buy a first character, a, a first comic book of a character, I'm wearing him right now. I got one in the store. I'll sell it I know to you do. Store. It's just too rich for my blood. <laughs> Punisher, Punisher's Punisher's too too rich. Punisher's pretty expensive. First Punisher, Amazing Spider-Man one twenty nine. The one, the copy that we have in the store right now is fourteen hundred dollars. David has that money. Chum change for David. I know, uh, right? He's got Tuscan money. I mean, like he's got money for robes and muppet heads. And right, stuff. I have Tuscan money. By That's by the end of this episode, dude, our goal is to get him to buy this copy. That's right. Um, Dawn, if you're watching this, David wants that for Christmas. Like, one way or another, this thing's getting sold. She, That's right. she is not buying that, I can guarantee you. Hey, <laughs> when you go into the store, it's just going to have a big sold tag. And I mean, granted, it's just going to say sold to David, right? And Gavin slowly is just going to add an extra, like, couple bucks every time. That, hey, $62.50. What, what do you mean $62.50? It's supposed to be $60. bucks. No, $250. do not worry about it. It'll, it'll, it'll be all right in years, right? Like, every time... <laughs> I keep telling him we're good friends. He's just going to give it to me for my birthday. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to get you drunk on your birthday, and then you're going to give me the money for it, and then I'm going to give you that for your birthday. That that might happen. I know, right? So, um, all right, for everybody watching, listening, what's the biggest suggestion you can tell people who are looking to buy somebody out of their business? Man, I'm the wrong person to ask for that. I mean, like, just uh, it kind of comes back to what I talked about through this whole thing. Be decent about it. Like, try and relate to them and let them know why you care. Because ultimately, they opened that business because they were excited about it. You know, whether you're a painter or you uh, do what I do, selling comic books or selling something, let them know why you want to do that in your life. I mean, like, I, I would hope that the the desire, I mean, like money has got to be an, uh, a factor, but like you can't just walk in and be like, I want to do this because I want to make all the money. But if you can relate to them on that, that level of, you know, like, man, I've been coming in here for years. This place means the world to me. That's, that's what it is. You know I mean? Like you relate to them on that human level and let them know that their legacy is going to preserve. That's one of the main reasons why we, well, one of the main reasons why we didn't change the name was it was already an established business for 35 years. But for the other reason, why would I change the name on something that he'd had his name on for 35 years? You know, I mean, like you, you keep the, the guy and he's got 
that's a secured legacy. You know that like the people that you care about and the business that you care about isn't going away. It's not changing. It's going to keep going for another generation. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's huge because, you know, you accepted that legacy and what it was and just made those little subtle changes, but for the most part, just kept it going. So yeah. the question I the question I forgot to ask, do you rent your space or own the building? So we, we rent it from the owner that we bought, bought it from, but we are buying the building in the next couple of years. We've already got paperwork drawn up and everything. So um, does he own, does he own, so you talked about the deli next door, um, yep. which I still haven't eaten at, but I've eaten at, uh, oh man, what's the place right next to that? The, the breakfast place. Oh, newbie, or, um, real food? Dude, real yeah, food yeah. cafe is like a, a half a mile away. Is it yeah, really? Away. I don't know. They're, all those strip malls down there look the same. So um, all every time I, I see Tardies and I'm like, eh, but that Euro looks real good. Like every time I'm like, man, I kind of want a Euro. <laughs> so, uh, stop, but, stop in sometime and grab some food. And when you order, it'll be like 10, 15 minutes before your oh, food's yeah. coming just pop in because I guarantee you, your first walk in, you look around, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck? Where am I right now?" <laughs> no, I say I've, I've, you know, I've been to so many. I've been to so many. I, I, I've, I've been meaning to stop in um, and just say hey. Um, but again, I, I get, I have a problem with collection, collecting. I'm already talking about how to make money and stuff like that. So my wife, if I, if I went, you talked about how you sold your adult magazines. Yeah. Like 30, 37 in a, in a row. Like I, I'm that guy who's like, yep, I'm just going to keep stacking boxes. And my wife would be like, there's more crap in the house. And be like, yep, don't worry about it. Someday it's going to be worth nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. No, I, uh, so I, that's why I try to stay away because if it's collectible, man, I go for it. Right. Granted. Yes. You say I was born in late eighties, but I was, I was around for the nineties. And T.Y. Beanie Babies were the biggest thing. And I was like, man, I got to own a Beanie Baby in every single one of them. And then somebody's like, the Princess Diana Bear is worth like, I don't know, 100 million bucks or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how to get that thing. Like, you know, be scouting people. I'm like, I'm trading you for this. And like, I'm trading up and I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to get this thing to happen, man. If, if your collectible story is Beanie Babies, we got a problem. <laughs> I collect bowling, I collect bowling balls. Does that help you? No. Just say I. <laughs> I'm still angry. I got rid of all my Transformers, GI Joes, and E Man. Yeah. Yeah. Say, I think I think everybody everybody's got collect some type of collection, right? Whether it's a collection of stocks or whether it's a collection of uh, comics. So uh, another side. Gosh, I have so many questions. Um, do you do you have a personal collection? of your own or does everything have a price tag for you i mean i've got a i've got a yes to both i've gotten them i mean my wife and i both have an amazing personal collection our house is just full of collectible hold on i can just real said, quick. Hold on. that's that's just the living room that's six display cases of monster stuff and vinyl figures and horror and all sorts of cool stuff that we have, but no, I mean like, but ultimately if you were like, man, it, in all my life, I've been looking for this figure and I'm willing to pay you three times above what you have on it. 
it's a good possibility that we're like, you know what? All right. I've had it for a while. I've appreciated it. It's time to roll it. Sure. Now, so, the, the other quick question, because we talked about my Gary V's and how I was putting them in the box and stuff like that. And then I realized I'm always that person that's like, I want to enjoy the things I have. Um, how many things do you have that are still new in box? You keep it in the box. Like for, for new toys, not, not old school collectibles, right? That you knew that they were collectibles. Like how many things do you buy now that you keep straight in package? Don't touch it because you think hope want to be, to be there. So there's, that's, man, that's a tough one. Um, I, I have a lot of stuff and I, I buy a lot of stuff for me initially, but a lot of stuff I don't take out of the box. So case in point, the stuff that I just showed was all monster horror type stuff. I'm also a huge avid He-Man collector. I've got uh, almost every U.S. release He-Man figure. I, I'd say I'm missing one thing, maybe two. Um, so they just re or they just released a uh, Snake Mountain Skeletor's playset, but it's scaled up to fit six-inch figures, which is like the main thing that people collect right now. Um, I bought it for six hundred dollars. It's selling for fifteen hundred right now online. Um, and are you willing to wait to sell it or are you going to sell it? No, I'm going to hold on to it. But the problem is, is I'm so broken now being somebody that buys and sells and stuff as I go, man, I really want to bust it out and check it out and see what it looks like. But it's selling for $1,500 right now and they're not making any more. I think I'm probably just going to leave it in the box, you know? So yes, I do collect stuff. Like I've got, for instance, when I went to Star Wars Celebration, I got the Marvel Legend or the the Star Wars Black figures that they did for that. Still in the package, still pristine. But you know what? If somebody came up to me and was like, "I'll give you four hundred bucks a piece for them right now," I'd be like, "All right, that's cool." Sure. So there's so, there's there's nothing in this world that you wouldn't sell, collectible wise. Boy, there's very few things. I mean, like I'm sure there's a couple of things that I wouldn't. Oh man, gun to my head. Yeah, there's a, there's very few things. So I, I showed the cases before. I don't know if you saw this, but this is one of my favorite things. This, I don't know if you can see it on the floor over there. It's it it looks like a green M&M. Hold on, I'll get up and show you. So it's a rat fink figure. It's 24 inches tall, and it is super cool. And I think this is one of the things that I would not get rid of. And I don't know why. I'm not a car guy, but I love rat fink so much. All right. Let's see. He's just, <laughs> he's just big and gnarly, and I love him. I go to bed yeah. with him every night. No, I don't really. <laughs> say, he looks like he, he looks like he stays there, but I'll, I'll believe that you sleep right next to it. Absolutely. The air mattress is coming out here very soon. Look, so. all right. I, I need everyone to understand this right now. It is not sexual. <laughs> say. I got really the question know. is, is Rat Fink between you and Deanna, or is he on the other side? Uh, no, he's right in the middle. Absolutely. We, we love <laughs> him. So, David, any other questions? No, I think I think we got a lot of good information from Gavin. Um, you know, you know, what? You, you know what? I take, I take that back as far as selling stuff, because the toys are cool, the comics are cool, the carded figures are cool, but there's something that I collect that I I can't just go out and get more of, and that's original artwork. Um, my original artwork is something that I would not sell if you if you stuck a, a stack of cash in front of me because, A, I have stories that are tied to every single one of those things, 
and be there one of one. I Can think I? That is, yeah. So when it comes to original artwork, I I don't know what that means, but like my wife and I, when we go to Detroit or when we go to like any city that we visit, there's usually like a person busking for money or something. Like we had the skyline of Grand Rapids pastel, like chalk painted or whatever. And, and it was just done by a random person who's never going to be any, I mean, he might be somebody, but like, he's never going to be somebody, but like we always buy original artwork is the way I see it. Right. Like somebody, somebody who draws something. What, what do you mean by original artwork? Is it by an artist that's like, known like the person that wrote batman 423 and like that he, he drew something for you correct um so there's there's two different things that you can get i one of the things is, is my wife and i both have a sketchbook that we bring to every convention with us and it's you can pay to get original artwork done so like for instance oh. i have i have an original sketch of rorschach from Watchmen from the guy who created Watchmen. sure um i have uh, an original Swamp Thing uh, painting from a guy, like one of the guys that worked on Swamp Thing. Um, so there's that kind of stuff that I buy, which I love that. That is personal. I usually sit with the artist while they work on it and we sit and, you know, like it's either you, you give them the book and they work on it and then they give it back to you when they're done or you sit and, while they're working on it and you just kind of shoot the shit. And to shoot the shit with some of these dudes who have worked on this stuff is awesome. No, I, and so I say, because, uh, so in Magic the Gathering, I, I played, I, I used to be pretty okay. Um, yeah. I, I was okay in the States and, and, and stuff like that. But um, there's an artist named John Avon, and you can do yep. what's called altered art, right? I mean, so this, is, this goes to something that you're not interested in, but like, it excites me. So John Avon is known for like the best artwork in Magic and, um, right, he'll, he'll do alter the cards. And so I... I have a couple like where he added like taller trees to some of his stuff and uh, he signs things. Right. And it's like, I know no matter what, like I wouldn't trade that or sell it. Like, you know, I, I can get like, again, it doesn't bother you, but like I can get 50 bucks for a foil uh, forest. Right. Like normally. And I could honestly, I'll trade that away and sell that all day. I don't really care. But right. like, this one altered, it might be worth 100, but to me, it's just like, I guess like for, for, for a hundred thousand bucks, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. Right. Like there's, there's a number on it, but like that number has to be so significant that nobody would ever pay it type of a thing. It's that hypothetical. And I don't like hypotheticals. I'm not that kind of person. I, I have, Ooh, what would you do? But like, really there, it has to be just so ridiculous that nobody would pay it. It has to be life changing money. Exactly. Right. Like, and so I think, uh, I, I think, there's definitely a few things that I hold on to. Um, sorry, my, my my rock star here is uh, is telling me good night. So hi Emerson. So she's uh, she's YouTube famous. So um, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, I think that there, there's right there is there's always going to be that personal level of things. So like the one of the kinds where it's it's something that you're interested in and you're awesome. Like nobody would nobody else would nobody else would pay you the amount of money that you want for it, right? Like right. I agree. Um, you know, so. so so there's that there's there's original sketches that I have that I spent time with the artists, and then there's also full on published work that I have. So like, I own pages that have been printed in comic books or covers that have been printed for comic books. Um, I think probably one of the more expensive pieces that I have is by an artist named Jock who worked on Batman, and um, it's one of those things that it's it's one of one, and it's so cool because you can grab somebody's comic book and go oh hey flip 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 
I own that page. That is a cool feeling to have, you know, like I own that original artwork and it's on my wall right now, you know. Oh, you own the ri- Okay, so you own what they made the copies of. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Like <laughs> so that's really cool to me. Um so I'm I'm going to throw this out there right now. Gavin, do you want to know what Don bought me for Christmas? Uh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you uh, know, $1400 uh what what were we trying to sell? A no, she did not buy me the first appearance of the Punisher. Not yet. So, at Grand Rapids Comic Con last year, Guy Gilchrist was there, who's a Muppet artist. Right. And he saw me and my buddy Mike, who do the Waldorf and Statler in our Tuscan Raiders. Right. So she talked to Guy, and Guy's doing a Waldorf and Statler for me in our Tuscan Raiders. That's fantastic. That's awesome. That's so damn cool. I'm so excited. He's like, so what are we looking for? And she goes, you know, they need to be in their box. They need to be heckling somebody. Figure out what you want them to say. I don't really care. (laughs) So I'm so excited to see what Guy comes up with. That's such a nice man. That's the other cool thing about Comic-Cons is you get to meet these artists. And I mean, like, celebrities are super cool. But in my opinion, I've had so many uh, genuine, heartfelt moments with artists where you got to sit and hang out while they're working on a piece for you. Or just, uh, and, it, and it kills sometimes you hear the stories of some of these artists who are, like, not the best human beings. Because, like, I've met people um, that were always super nice. Like, I met this, this, this artist named Ethan Van Skyver who has a real, uh, I don't know, like bad history of like getting like very, very political, very, very uh, polarizing to fans. I never had any conversation with him that was bad. I don't know. Like we talked about, he collects autographs from celebrities and he sends off VHSs to get signed by them. I, and it blows my mind when I hear these horrible things that have happened with, with artists like that, that I've met, you know, um, I don't know, man, like it's, it's a trip, but like, it's so cool to have some of this original stuff that like, uh, you hang out and watch the person put together, you know, like you watch their talent unfold. So. All right. Hey, Gavin, stay with us for a bit. Um, but everybody, I, I want you guys to like subscribe, share, uh, bucks and brews is growing. We're really excited that you guys are tuning into this. Um, it's, it's been a real awesome thing to watch for me, just the, the amount of times that people are listening. Um, I've been getting quite a bit of feedback, just had a phone call with somebody on our last episode. I I'm, I'm really appreciative of everybody that's watching and taking their time. Gavin, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining us talking about how to buy an existing business. Um, being a business owner itself, man, like you're an awesome dude that cares about the community itself. Uh, I can't wait to have my daughter's like dance team or softball team or whatever she's going to get into next like sponsored by tardy's comics dude like how awesome is that going to be like all over the chest um so really i i appreciate it guys yep, I, yeah. I agree with nick uh gavin stick around for a minute we're gonna we're gonna end this episode right now but as usual we're gonna keep talking because that's kind of what happens here so nick said please like subscribe share you know, if, if you have any ideas for shows, please send them to us. If you have questions, please let us know what they are. 
we're here to help and we absolutely love it. Gavin, did you have anything last minute to say? Well, I was just going to pump up you guys again, like share, subscribe, uh, send baked goods. They'll take cash check money order. Um, any kind of gift, they'll probably take it. Not really goodwill donations, but you know what? If it's worth enough, all right. If you can use it for a taxable write-off, I'm sure they'll take it. You know, I mean, whatever you can give these, I mean, just give it to them. It's fine. They're going to keep asking, so you might as well just give it to them. I like and Goodwills, we're waiting for your sponsorship. Uh, New Glarus, uh, Wisconsin Belgian Red. I, I'm waiting for that sponsorship. Like, I care about David. I'm going to share one with him someday. But someday. really, like, this is all mine. <laughs> so take care, everybody. We'll see you guys next week.